Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Monday, April 11th, and this is your FT News Briefing. It's official. We're going to see a rematch of the 2017 French presidential election in just a few weeks. And a former banker in the 1MDB trial has been found guilty. Plus, China has made a major concession to U.S. regulators in order to keep its companies on U.S. exchanges. But will it actually smooth things over? The FT's Tabby Kinder explains. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. The people of France came out to the polls yesterday to vote in the first round of the country's presidential election, and they advanced two candidates, incumbent Emmanuel Macron and the far-right candidate Marie Le Pen. It'll be a rematch of the 2017 election. That's when Macron beat Le Pen by a pretty wide margin. This time, though, things were much closer. Here's the FT's Paris correspondent, Leila Aboud. Macron's bet to kind of wait quite late to come into the campaign. He was kind of had this attitude that he was going to be president until the last 15 minutes and was very busy managing the war in Ukraine. And and that was actually quite a risky move because the the final kind of polling estimates going into the vote showed that the, the lead that he had on uh, the other candidates had really narrowed quite markedly. Uh, what did I learn from Le Pen today? I was in her headquarters for when she gave her speech they're really, really, really positive. They feel good about their chances now. They think that there is going to be a movement that they can play off of, of all the people who dislike Macron in the country. She thinks she has a pretty good shot. Okay, so the final round of voting is on April 24th. What do you expect to see in the next two weeks? Um, I think it's going to be pretty brutal <laughs> on the campaign trail. Um, I mean, they are opposites in many ways. You know, all the kind of caricatures of Macron is sort of like the pro-Europe elitist president of the rich. That's kind of how Marine Le Pen will paint him. And he will try and paint her as somebody who is too extreme to be trusted with power, someone who's too close to Russia and Putin, and who would be sort of a disaster for France and the, and the Western liberal order that we're all so familiar of. Leila Aboud is the FT's Paris correspondent. By the way, if you want to learn more about the French presidential election, the FT will be holding a webinar on it today. Leila will be there along with other FT journalists and a few guests from outside the FT, too. If you're a subscriber, you can sign up at ft.com slash francevotes. ft.com slash francevotes. We'll also have a link in the show notes. On Friday, a U.S. jury decided the fate of a key player in the 1MDB embezzlement scandal. Former Goldman Sachs banker Roger Ung was found guilty on three counts in the case, including conspiring to violate U.S. anti-bribery laws and to launder money. The trial lasted about two months. Ung, who had pleaded not guilty, could face up to 30 years in prison. Ung's boss, Tim Leisner, has already pleaded guilty and testified against Ung as the government's star witness. Stefania Palma has been following the story. She says that while this is a win for the Department of Justice, critics say more people than just Ung should have been put on trial. He is the only banker from Goldman Sachs, which arranged three different bond deals for 1MDB from which uh, money was stolen. 
And the critics just say that this is not enough, despite this win for prosecutors to really deter figures on uh, Wall Street from perpetrating a similar scheme in the future. At the same time, I think if he had uh, not been found guilty, this would have been a catastrophic defeat uh, for the Department of Justice. What's your big takeaway from this case, Stefania? If anything, what this probe has done, it really has highlighted the big gaps that some of these financial entities have when it comes to uh, internal processes uh, around accepting specific types of deals uh, for these banks. I think it also really underscored the fact that In a sector and in an industry like investment banking, obviously, there is very strong competition and bankers are obviously pushed to do as much as they can to win deals. But obviously, you know, at the same time, not all investment bankers get ensnared in the multi-billion dollar embezzlement um, uh, scandals. But it's uh, without a doubt that the whole internal sort of checks and balances system was definitely examined far more after the 1MDB. Uh, affair came to light. Stefania Palma is the FT's U.S. legal and enforcement correspondent. The court is expected to sentence Ung and Leisner this week. Beijing has revised its laws on giving financial information to foreign regulators. It's a move to keep companies from being delisted from U.S. exchanges. And it marks a significant concession to pressure from Washington and would help around 270 Chinese companies stay in New York markets. Tabby Kinder is the FT's Asia financial correspondent. She says this started with a law introduced in 2001 requiring the U.S. accounting regulator to inspect all companies. In the last 20 years since then, there has been a flood of Chinese companies listing in the US and none of them have abided by that law. The Chinese companies that are listed in the US, so these include some of the biggest names like Alibaba, Pinduoduo, I mean, these are, these are companies worth tens of billions of dollars. They provide audited annual accounts that US investors can see and they, they've raised so much cash on, on the back of these. What U.S. regulators can't see is any of the evidence that backs up those audit opinions. So like a lot of things, when you consider global investment in Chinese equities and Chinese assets, there's a little bit of kind of blind faith involved because for the last 20 years, the Chinese growth story has been so attractive. Why has Beijing made this concession now, Tabby? So the reason that Beijing has capitulated now appears just to be because in the last couple of weeks, we've seen US regulators really move ahead with this delistings issue. The SEC in New York just started naming the Chinese companies that would be delisted in the next three years, which really kind of shook China into action because If there was any um, thinking that just U.S. investors would be affected by Chinese companies being delisted, I mean, that was completely proved wrong in the last couple of weeks because the SEC move was followed by another massive sell-off in Chinese stocks. So Beijing said its law on securities disclosure was out of date and it would revise it. How significant is this? The crux of the revision is basically that it removes the requirements 
that inspection of the financial statements of overseas listed Chinese companies has to be conducted by mainly Chinese regulators. So this opens the door to the idea that the PCAOB, which is the audit regulator in the US, can inspect audits um, conducted in China of Chinese companies. And so it's basically a pretty significant attempt by Beijing to secure a compromise on this issue and then stop these 270 or so companies from being delisted. Okay, so does all this mean that U.S. regulators now won't delist Chinese companies that they've named? The capitulation by Beijing doesn't just mean that this is a done deal. Gary Gensler, who's the chairman of the SEC, said just last week that only um, full compliance with its laws would be good enough. So even though China is saying it will allow joint inspections, there's no real framework yet for joint audit inspections between China and the US. There are lots of questions still that companies have. One of the things that keeps coming up when companies are talking about this is concerns that the revised law on secrecy puts too much onus on the companies to decide what counts as as state secrets and what doesn't. So there is still national security concerns by China that requires companies to hold back some information. So where companies will draw that line, where their auditors will draw that line, for example, is has yet to be worked out. Tabby Kinder is the FT's Asia financial correspondent. And before we go, Pakistan may have a new leader today. Lawmakers are set to confirm opposition leader Shehbaz Sharif as the country's new prime minister. This comes after Imran Khan was ousted in a no-confidence vote over the weekend. Khan was a former cricket star. As prime minister, he recently was criticized for his response to rapid inflation. The 2B prime minister, Sharif, is the former chief minister of Pakistan's most populous province and the brother of three-term former prime minister, Nawaz Sharif. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Did you know the Capital Ideas podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor, what's a mistake they made that changed their approach, and how do they find their next great idea. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources, uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellingcat.com.